So here's mm-hmm. what happened is a proud member of the But Why Though podcast community. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of So Here's What Happened. I'm Nisha, and as always, I'm joined by my lovely co-host. <laughs> yeah, we are back. And this month we're doing something a little differently just because the first month of the year was a lot. It's, I'm going to put it that way. It's been busy. We've been busy. Carolyn's been the busiest. <laughs> Um, what you what, tell the people what you've been up to? I Carolyn. went to the 2020 Sundance Film Festival in Park City, Utah, and that was mm-hmm. fun. My girl's been booked and busy. Mm-hmm. It looked awesome, like from I love following you on Instagram and just looking at where you were at and everything. It looks like a beautiful it is place. Very, it's very pretty. Like the funny thing is, is where because Sundance is, or I should say, you like Park City and Salt Lake City is in a bowl, so it's like um. So there's mm-hmm. like mountains all around, and honestly, for me, that was a really weird thing to see. Even living here in Canada, because Toronto is like pretty flat, and Barbados is like flat. There's no mountains in Barbados, and Toronto there's no mountains. So all I see is vast, vastness and land from from my apartment. But in Park City, like there's mountains, or I I don't or it was, I think they're considered mountains. I call them like super. I call them mountains. They probably call like really large hills. <laughs> to the locals but even where I was staying mm-hmm. at the B&B which was like about 15 minutes outside of Park City like there we were surrounded by mountains so th- for me that was kind of weird but it's really pretty with all the snow and going to a film festival in this winter is different than going to like Tiff in the summer or Comic Con in summer um, so that was really good but I, I'm glad that I went I, I'm, I again I have to thank everyone that donated and retweeted to me um, the, the GoFundMe for me together I really appreciate it I and uh, it was an unforgettable experience. I'm glad, even if I never get to go again, I'm glad I did go, took the chance to go this time. And um, I saw some really great films. It was great meeting with all with um, all of the people in the industry, industry professionals and fellow film critics of color, especially. Um, it was great to see everyone. And uh, I would love to go back again, but as I said, if I never do get the opportunity to go back again, because it's kind of expensive to go there. Uh, I'm glad that I took. I'm glad mm. that I seized my moment. I went this time. Yeah, that's good. It looks like it's a great time, but especially because when I think of Utah, I honestly feel like there's a middle of nowhere. But it's it kind of is. Uh, um, that's the other thing. Because so there's no sky, there's no skyscrapers like in Toronto. Even where I live in Scarborough, which is just outside mm. the city, like, there's still pretty tall buildings like close to the mall. And then there's like um, the Telus building, and so there's like those kind of tall, tall in um, carpet buildings. And downtown in Toronto, like there's the skyscrapers and hotels and bank banks and all that kind of stuff but Park City there is none of that which is and it, does, and it, it kind of does remind me of Barbados mm-hmm. in that aspect where like everything is like the height of a house because in Barbados our tallest building is apart from a few hotels our tallest building which is the Central Bank of Barbados is about I think I think 10 floors um, but there's a few hotels I think mm-hmm. that are um, hmm, no, the Hilton Hotel I think is about ten floors. I don't think it's taller than the National Bank of Barbados. Um, but yeah, uh, 
And so that's a one part that was for me because all there's there are no skyscrapers there and there's no tall buildings so that was good to see and but it was also fun like when i would be standing outside like for instance in a line or waiting for a shuttle bus to go to a screening i'd look up and i see the skiers coming down the hill so that was also kind of fun you just watch them zigzagging down the hill and so that that part was also really cool as well nice Okay, well, I'll have to definitely add that to my list. I'm trying to do better and going to more Mm -hmm. film festivals and stuff. I'm going to start more locally. But I mean, of course, next month I will be at South by Southwest. But I'm trying to make an effort. Yep, I'm excited. (laughs) Um, I definitely want to make Toronto Film Festival one year so I can hang out with you in Toronto. It's so ridiculous. Um, We haven't met yet. Like, when I was in um, Utah. I know. When I was in Utah, people, and I'd be telling people about the podcast, but oh, so you're in your podcast, you're in your co host meeting. But I'm like, no, we've never met. And people think that's hilarious. Yeah, we never met. (laughs) People are like, what? It is very funny. (laughs) It is weird. We've been doing this. But, like, when I tell you. You I met have. my mom. That was the funniest thing, though. You've seen my mom. And then I was just like, because she was so excited to show me something. I'm like, I'm still on a call. She's like, well, that's fine. Look at this. I'm like, well, mom, here, meet Keller- yeah, Carolyn. Yeah, we've <laughs> seen each other over um, video on the phone. Um, but we've never met in person. Mm-hmm. And when I tell people that, they just think that that's utterly hilarious and so unique. I'm like, yeah, that's that's our that's our thing. We're almost two years into this. Into it this. is our thing. Uh, wait, oh my gosh. Yes, yeah, almost two years see, into this. June would be two years because. Mm-hmm. Avengers, when the first Avengers, um, <laughs> what is it? Not Endgame, but the one Infinity before War. that, or whatever it was titled. Infinity, when Infinity War mm-hmm. came out, that's when we started our podcast. Exactly, that's, that was June. So it, and then I was thinking, because when I was at Senes, I saw uh, Nancy Wang Yuan, who was my first interview for the podcast. I'm her and Laura Sirical. And I saw Nancy at Senes. I saw her at a couple, um, I saw her at a couple events. And I was so happy to see her. And I was like, and I was like, I really wanted to have a, just like a recap special with her just like a recap of like the films that we've seen and like because when we first talked our first my first interview was we were talking about representation of Asians in cinema Mm -hmm. and we were talking about crazy rich Asians and how far things like the fresh off the boat and everything and how far it came that was then and now you have um Mm -hmm. you, you have Parasite, for goodness sakes, because this what this was after Parasite was um they um had like the big um award the Palme d'Or at Cannes and then at and then it won. Right. Did it win anything at TIFF? I think it did. Um, but it was gaining a lot of traction mm. at TIFF, and like we wanted, we really wanted to talk about. And I really wanted to talk about like how far the. I should say Asian representation in North American film to be more specific has come in such a short time in, in a year and I would have loved to talk to her about that but it was uh, but yeah it's been re- almost two years and I think we've come so far and we've done a lot and I, I can't wait to see what we do going forward we still have a lot to learn about being podcasters and about this business but I'm proud of us Nisha yep. I'm proud of us Thank you. I'm proud of us too, and I think we have to sometimes remind ourselves like we've done a lot. We're not perfect. We 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 still make mistakes doing this. Like I still make mistakes. Like I did an interview recently that was published, and I did not do an intro for it. And I was like, it sounds so wrong where you have the intro music and then me just going straight. Okay, so my first question, and I was like, Carolyn. (laughs) That was not the way to go, but I'm learning. <laughs> Girl, it happened. 
It'd be fine. I'll be, I think I've gotten to the point where I'm like, I think before, I think we both have gotten more relaxed in being podcasters. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, like we don't like I've gotten to the point where it's like, you know what? We just gonna make it work with what we can. Yeah. And we are not going to stress ourselves out over whatever. But yeah, at some time. But then sometimes you do remind me of like, were we supposed to do that? Like, yes, we were. <laughs> yes. Yes, we were. <laughs> but I, I'm very proud of us, too. I'm very proud of how far we've come when it comes to just like starting this show together. And then also with us both doing more coverage and going to film festivals and events. And yeah. I think 2020 has more to come for us, and we can only go up from mm-hmm. here. I'm claiming that, yes. at least. Um, but, yeah, one day we will meet. We will. I we promise. Will. Yes, I mean, maybe hopefully this year. I will be moving soon, so you will have a place to crash in I Chicago. Guess. Maybe this year we will meet. Fingers and toes crossed. Claim Let's it. claim it. We can claim it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, to kick things off... Let's just dive right into the book corner. Mm-hmm. Carolyn, would you like to go first? Um, so I'm not really reading a book. I'm reading the screenplay for us because I was doing some research for a piece. And uh-huh. it's just so interesting to read a screenplay and watch a film. So I hadn't I, I watched us twice when it came out that was last year february it seems so much longer because 2019 was super long but then i re- i i started reading the book this the, the screenplay this week and and i got pretty i think i got like one third way into the into the script and then i, I watched the film yesterday and it's so interesting to watch it and then be able to recall the scenes as I was reading them. So it's very interesting to to be reading screenplays and see how film is constructed on page. And um, I think this is something I don't want to keep going. I want to keep, I've always wanted to read screenplays and I've always like, and I always keep forgetting to get them, but I'm going to start doing this. Like I'm going to watch a film, then I'm going to get the screenplay, read the screenplay, then watch the film again to see how it informs um, and then like the differences in the written screenplay and then what you see on screen because there's certain things like dialogue that would have been like, improvised or like certain things that isn't described on the page that you see in the film that adds to the film. So it's really interesting and I would recommend it mm. to anyone. Reading the screenplay for us is um, it's very interesting with the way that um, Jordan Peele describes um, some of the things. Like I noticed for like the characters, when he introduces the characters in the screenplay, he just says a like, African-American girl 14 years old, African-American boy, nine years old, Caucasian woman, 40 years old, Caucasian man, whatever. But he never says if they're blonde haired, blue-eyed, whatever. And I think that's really interesting. He said, like, they're white, they're black. And like, and then if you haven't seen the film, you can draw your own description of them from what you're reading because he doesn't give like a definite description, but you just get this idea of yourself. But if you're watching it, it's kind of interesting to see that he doesn't describe them. So I want to read Get Out. I want to read the screenplay for Get Out and see if he does the same thing. And then, yeah, so, that's, so, it's, really, so it's really interesting to read a screenplay and then watch a film. So that's something I definitely want to keep doing. And um, so yeah. that's it for my book. <laughs> so technically, it is a book because it's pages. Um, so, so yeah, I like and it. it is, it's interesting. Like we, like we have said, we weren't really going to do a um, Black History Month theme, but it still kind of plays into because of what the film is about. Even though, like, the Jordan Peele says it isn't really about race. I'm like, technically, Jordan Peele, it kind of is. But you know, it's all like film is subjective, right. and so what you it's directed and star, yeah, it's directed and it stars black people, directed mm-hmm. by a black person and stars black people. Yes, so 
And I mean, granted, like we said, like we didn't really plan on doing um, like a specific Black History episode, but it is nice that we both thought of like, ooh, we are both reading things that are created by from yes. Black people. So nice little bonus in the for the month. Exactly. Um, and I would as oh, for me, and I would like to say oh, I still oh. think Lupita Nyong'o was robbed of an Oscar nomination because watching us again, her oh. the way how she dissects. Um, Red and, and Adelaide, the way how she plays those two characters, watching it again and reading, as I said, reading the screenplay, she did the damn thing. Like, Lupita Nyong'o was robbed. She yep. should have been nominated. I support this 100,000% because I still don't. I know, you know what? I know what it is. And it is for, that is an episode discussion for another mm. day because. It, I will take us down a rabbit hole, but I'm just gonna call what it is. Cynthia Erbo was already. I hope that's her name. Erbio, she, was, yeah. she was nominated, so I just feel like there's this thing where like can't have two black women nominated. Mm. Can't that would be crazy? And not only that, or they just like, and, and one is from a genre film horror, which we know horror is very. Those technically right. parasite is a uh, horror, but like that's another discussion. We can go into we can have a whole episode about politics about yeah. the politics and racism and horror stuff. Horror gets snubbed so much, but yeah, that this these are discussions for another day. We just gonna have a gripe episode where we can just we gripe should. about the entertainment industry. We <laughs> just, 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 basically, it's gonna be us yelling and complaining. Uh, before another day. Uh, as for me, I have chosen to read Children of Blood and Bone, mm. and that is by Tomi Edieme. Mm-hmm. So I have been wanting to read this book since I first heard it was like when it was announced almost two years yes. ago. And then when I heard, I believe it's HBO is doing an adaptation of the franchise for the book. So there's more to come. But here's how I usually operate when I find out that a book is a part of a franchise. I usually don't <laughs> read it right away because I hate waiting for the next book because I'm so eager. Y'all should have seen me when Hunger Games was at its peak. Like, I was fiending to get my hands on the second and last book, like, from the library. Mm. So I have learned from my past mistakes to just wait. However, I broke my rule and I bought this book because I just can't anymore. And I need something that doesn't involve me doing work behind it. So this book is, like, a nice break in between, like, having to review stuff and write where I can just, like, relax and read it. But, uh... I'm just gonna read y'all the quick synopsis of it. Zelly uh, remembers when the soul, the soil of Arisha hummed it with magic, burners ignited flames, tender tenders baked waves, and Zelly's reaper mother summoned forth spirits. But everything changed once magic disappeared under the orders of the ruthless king, and the magi were targeted and killed, leaving Zelly without a mother and her people without hope. Now Zelly has one chance to bring back magic and strike against the monarchy. With the help of a rogue princess, Zelly must outwit and outrun the crown prince who is hell-bent on eradicating magic for good. Danger lurks in Eurasia, where snow, leopardnares, prow, and vengeful spirits wait in the water. Yet the greatest threat may be Zelly herself as she struggles to control her powers and her growing feelings for an enemy. Mm. So, this has me written all over this. Fantasy, mm-hmm. magic, black mm-hmm. people. Like, it is, it's a thick, hardcover book. Y'all know I love a thick, hardcover book. 
and the art looks awesome. I'm just, I'm excited. I've heard people like say, like she, I've actually like listened to interviews of Tommy and or um, actually read them, and they talked about how she was inspired from Hogwarts, um, which I think growing up again in the height of Hogwarts like of Harry Potter and Hogwarts and all that kind of stuff and like also this goes to my like my love of fantasy genre when it comes to like the Hobbit the Lord of the Rings I always wanted to see something done like that with like black people Mm. and like specifically with African culture in mind because there's like a lot of great stories um that again I African American, born and raised in America. I don't like I. My parents will like to like read us the fairy tales, like the folklore and all that stuff, um, like Anansi and a bunch of other ones. But I always thought like, ooh, you know, it would be cool if we like if that part of the fantasy got explored more beyond just Anansi because there's more than that. Um, and then I and then I heard about this book. And then I heard it's also going to be made into a series. So I'm my goal is to read this book, the next book, and everything before that series premieres. Because I'm hooked. I've only gotten into it, into like two mm-hmm. chapters. But it is, I cannot stop turning the page. Like, I have to like take my time reading it. Because it's only 500 pages. Oh, okay. Like, or a little over 500 pages. So it's not a long read. But... It really it grabs you. So I like it. Yeah, I remember when that book was first uh, released. I remember it was a, it was a pretty big deal, and I also remember the the cover art when she revealed um, the cover art on Twitter. So that was mm-hmm. pretty good, and like to see how far like it's being produced in into a show. And it's so great to see a lot of these um these um what am I trying to say these books being written by um, by black people especially black women being adapted into TV yeah. shows and films because uh oh my gosh there's another writer um her books are being adapted I think also by HBO because um George R.R. R. Martin is involved Ooh. um and Oh, I know what you're talking about. I cannot pronounce her name. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I do. I, as soon as you said, okay, okay. See, nope. I know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. <laughs> there's her, and then there's Chimamanda Adichie, um, who her book is Americana is being adapted by um, Lupita Nyong'o and Danae Guerrera. So yeah. it's good to see a lot of these films. Yeah, and then there's right. like Issa Rae who started out as a blogger. And I read her book, um, Diary of an Awkward Black Girl. Uh, her book, she, she mm-hmm. now has her own show and now is headlining a feature film, The Photograph, which I can't wait to see. And so like black Girl, women are really doing the damn thing. And I'm so proud up. of us. Mm-hmm. I'm proud of us. I'm proud. And it's, it's very, it's something beautiful because you see how they are uplifting one another. Mm-hmm. Like, Issa Rae's been very much shown herself to, like, make sure that she brings people into the room with her to have a seat at yes. the table and everything. And I think, like, and I, I love her for that. But I also think, like, there's other authors and other people that do that, like, black women um, who are who are about what they say. Yeah. 
and it's just beautiful and it's just so nice to see like yes everyone can win well we all mm-hmm. win so it just it warms my right. heart Ooh, and another um, one is Francesca Ramsey like she's been doing really great like she was involved with the Oscars like yeah. she um, I think uh, was involved with the music for the opening um, number with Jan- performed by Jenna Monet of all people mm-hmm. so like it's great to see that like, where everyone is going like so many other black women like that we're friends with on Twitter like doing so well like, we have our podcast and then there's other women who are starting their podcast I think Joy Chell started her podcast which is I think it's the color gray and like and there's other Ooh. writers like Clark Kisha there's Kelly there's yep. Rebecca who has her own podcast the Spectrum Lounge there's other writers like Kathy Woods like Ooh. I just like I, I just gotta give a shout out to some of these women like follow them on Twitter um, if you follow me and follow uh, or follow Anisha <laughs> like you, you you end up following them because we follow the same the same people and it's just so great to see yes power to the black people but we got to prop up the black women too because you know sometimes we all we really got yeah we can toot our own horns a little bit i think i mean like that's that's me and you've met i think like through the fact that we follow a lot of the same people that like the people that you you've mentioned and i will say that like people like clarkisha and there's a Rebecca, like, they are always very adamant about, hey, if you're a black woman in this sphere of entertainment or, like, a critic, Mm -hmm. drop your at below and then I'll retweet you. Or, like, they, like, people, like, are very helpful in, like, pushing, uh, like, pushing, like, like, um, amplifying Mm -hmm. others. I mean, I will say for a fact, the reason half my tweets probably go viral is because Clarkisha retweets (laughs) me. She got the power, man. She got the power. She do got power, but it is just like it's just this fun. People be like, "How do you go viral?" I'm like, "Cause people who got blue check marks and lots of followers think I'm funny for some yeah. reason, and they actually like me. I guess I don't know, or they they acknowledge my existence occasionally. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's just it's one of those things. But like beyond that, like beyond Twitter, I think like I like seeing people who are about it, and it's nice that we have like created that community mm-hmm. or crafted that community um, by connecting with one another. So. Yes, we should talk. We should up each other's every now mm-hmm. and then. So, moving on to TV. Well, I guess you can skip TV unless you have something. Because I know, like, as we get closer into the show, um, you're gonna take over and talk about Sundance yeah. films. Yeah, I, I can talk about. I'm not gonna re- go into the shows like I normally do, but you know, for TV again, Korean dramas. So I started. Uh, <laughs> Shocker. Listen, it is my brand, and I'm proud of it. I'm going to get that put on a shirt. Korean dramas are my brand. Um, but, uh... <laughs> Look, the director of Parasite told everybody to watch more Korean mm. shows. Not shows. Film. Films. So, you are just and ahead of the I've curve. I've been ahead of the curve for years. Like, you people, everyone else is not mm-hmm. catching up. Uh, but, you know, not just Korean films. Just, like, inter- films of other languages other than English. Um... But I, I'll just mention two shows that I've been watching, um, or I should, maybe three. One is uh, Stove League. So it's about a, a baseball team trying to come back from being always being the last in their um, in their national finals because baseball is huge mm. in South Korea. Like, it's, like, it's their game of choice. Um, so that's Stove League. Okay. And the other one I've been watching is The Romantic Dr. Kim Season 2. So good, oh, so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love me a good medical drama, and there's this a Chinese drama. Yeah, girl. Ooh. Uh, 
send that my way. I love me a medical drama, a cop drama, a medical drama, a lawyer drama. Just yeah, send it my and way. And there's a Chinese drama that I've been watching called Find Yourself. So I have to find out if there's a Chinese term for it because in Korean, um, in, in the Korean K-drama um, industry, there's a subgenre called Nuna romances. So Nuna, Nuna is an older woman or an older sister or older cousin, just mm. like someone you, a male, would refer to as Nuna if she's older than him. So if it's a man, it will be Opa. Oh. If it's a woman referring to an older man, it would be Opa. If it's a man, he would be referring to her as Nuna. So in Korean dramas, there's Nuna romances where the woman is older than the man. So she could be like a year older. She'd still be considered a Nuna. It has nothing to do with like, oh. if like, a seniority thing where like oh like Ajuma is like an older woman but this is a subgenre in Korean drama so th- so this one find yourself is a C drama and I have to hmm. find out if there's a term an equivalent term for it I'm not I from what I've seen people say on, on Twitter there isn't but I'm gonna research that but um it's really good so she's 10 years younger than a guy he's um and he's working at her company which is an interior design she's a She's the director for the company. And first thing first, uh, like, I got to mention, like, her outfits are, like, banging. Some of them are, like, what the hell is she wearing? <laughs> but, like, like Girl, it's sounds... really good. It's Sorry. really good. And it ha- they have cute dogs. Like, they, I'm like, they're puppies. They have puppers. But, like, <laughs> I like this. I like this see drama because first thing first there's not like a lot of stupid shouting because one of the reasons I don't watch many C dramas especially if it's for the young if it's more con- younger contemporary ones the, they can have like the the youngers are always shouting for absolutely no reason like they talk super loud and they overact in a lot of stuff but this one like I, 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 most of the characters are mature um, the lead actor oh gosh I forgot to look up his name because I wasn't intending to talk about it. I had to mention like I really like him he like his character is very self-assured he knows what he wants and the female character is they have her hem and a hawing between this thing I'm like please cut this shit out because this is unnecessary because they have her with this whole thing if she's gonna be with this older guy and I'm like I don't dig him anyway so I hope they don't drag that out too long but they probably will because again see drama and it's like 20 plus episodes so <laughs> we'll see how that one goes mm-hmm. but those are my three recommendations and I started one tonight that we're recording a K-drama called uh, The Game The Game Towards Zero with uh, one of my bays okay Tassion <sighs> I love him. He's nice. from a K. He's from a K-pop group called Two PM. But he's also a really good actor. He's fantastic. I've seen the first episode. And it's really, really good. Score is really good. Acting's good. The cinematography is beautiful. And that's it. All I have to show about TV shows. All right. That gave that gave me mm-hmm. a lot to to watch. So good. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, just real quick, I wanted the the one you mentioned about the one where she's his boss. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that one? I swear, it sounds just like this manga I've been I've been reading every now and then. It doesn't update all the time, but literally, it sounds like something. Like there's a ten year mm-hmm. difference. I don't remember the name, but like there's a ten year difference. He is younger, she's older. Her outfits are always banging, <laughs> and like they're keeping their romance a, a secret, secret at work. But and she's the boss, and she's a boss. She's the boss. Same yeah. thing. What if it's the same? 
Okay, so I would have to see because this is a C drama. But again, Ooh. remember a lot of C dramas I've mentioned before. A lot of Korean, um, Chinese, and Japanese dramas are based on webtoons. Actually, a lot of Asian dramas, you know, because you have like what's it called? Um, the show version is Fight Yourself. But the, what happens sometimes they actually change the names if it's based on like a manga or a webtoon. They might change the name a little bit. So I don't know if that's the if if it is based on a webtoon. I'm not mm. sure what the original title would be. So I could I would have to look it up. But it yeah, I mean it's definitely a manga. So it's 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 Japan. So that's what well, that, that's well, what caught there, my attention. Though, I mean, like it's not unheard no, of. Actually, you know, let me look at it for you. Uh, we can we can I can come back to it later. But it, even though like the manga you're talking about is a, is a Japanese manga, again, like a lot of Chinese <gasps> dramas are some they they do like cross cultural like um, adaptations. So it could mm-hmm. be a Chinese drama based on a Japanese um, manga. So that's possible. But it doesn't because like they are where I am in the drama right now. They are keeping it secret because he made a, a deal, an agreement with her. Like they will keep it secret for three months, and if they make it through the three months, then they would go public. Because she's mining this guy, the the, the mm. other guy that they're trying to create a, a stupid, pointless love triangle with. He's trying to get with her, but she's so naive she she can't see that he's trying to get with her. So she's like, oh, but if you keep it secret, and so she minded him and like let him get into her head, and it's like pointless drama. But I'm like, I like the least together. So I'm watching it, and so they, they, let me see. Okay, I did find it after it didn't take me too long. I just have to remember it. So this, y'all don't make fun of me. I don't obviously I don't speak Japanese. So um, the Japanese title is Kawi Joshi Joshi O Komari Seti. Komari Seti. So okay. again, probably butchered that, <laughs> but it's um the translated. It's loosely translated as I want to bother my cute boss with questions. Or I want to annoy the pretty boss. So that's yeah. translated. But I would just I'm gonna send mm-hmm. you this link and you just tell me if it sounds like they just like adapted I, it. Could be I'm, I will I could be. I'm looking at the info this. page because it's on Netflix. So you can find it on Netflix. Um, again it's called Find Yourself. Let me see. Da, 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 da. I'm down. I'm gonna watch it. <laughs> Sorry, excuse it's me. Close enough to this manga. <laughs> Bless you. Um, okay, so cool. why did like this up? You um, talk about your TV F. show. <laughs> yeah. Um, so for me, I decided to finish watching BoJack Horseman. I got into it much later than most people, and then I kind of fell off, and then I got back into it. Um, I think my biggest takeaway from this show is. And maybe this is because like I'm not like a, a huge fan of it where like there's people who have watched it from the beginning I think when it started on Comedy Central to then followed it when it got on Netflix and it's a good show I like it um, but I think my biggest like compliment to this show is that how they handle the issues of like mm-hmm. mental health and also how they handle like me too like they they tackled me too before me too was trending like and i mean that as in like um problematic celebrities problematic situations um issues where people like sexual assault or like um i don't want to say like they, it wasn't like it was outright raped at least like to what i watched recently it's like the in that kind of realm of stuff they handled that really well that didn't come off as pandering like you know how like some shows try to do a me too episode like i'm gonna say like special victims unit like svu mm. like like that kind of what is it called i'm calling it the long word what is it called law and order like the law and order shows where 
I feel like those can sometimes be very problematic. And I think I, that's a discussion for another day. But, and I'm comparing a cartoon to a, um, live, ac- live action people. But BoJack Horseman, I think I, I, they just do a really good job in tackling that. But then I also think there's this thing that they are also really good at where... <sighs> We as people who are not celebrities, like the general public, we have a tendency of having faves. And when we find out that our faves have done something Mm -hmm. problematic, we don't know how to, one, um, recognize the problematic behavior and two, um, realize that everyone is not... On, you can't put everyone on a pedestal right. like and there's no such thing as a perfect victim like and th- this is me like going off a little bit but like there's things like that when there's a when there's a situation and it involves somebody that everybody loves and like they're very popular or whatever i think everyone just wants it to be cut and dry black and right. white there is no bad person there is no good person but it's like when you think about it in life like no one is really bad or good we're all just people but like the bad things you do and the good things you do. You could be a good... I, I say this all the time, but, like, you can be a good person and do bad things, and you can be a bad person and do good things, but at the end of the day, we can't be putting people on pedestals because, like, when we do that, that's when we ignore, like, that problematic behavior. Right. If that makes sense. Like, it, it's... I'm, I'm probably rambling, but it was just something that it made me... It was just, like, one of the characters, Diane, she, like, made a point about, like, there's no... There's nothing... There's no, no such thing as good or bad people. We're all just mm-hmm. people who are trying to make it through life. I'm like, okay, I like that. But then, like, of course, that's not saying that they're, that people who do bad things are forgiven because they do good things. It's just, like, the perception of how we look at people who do terrible things and because they do one good thing then all of a sudden everyone forgets about it of all the bad stuff they do like and that's like a hyperbole of that um but i don't know i i like the show i mean for those of you who don't know about jack horseman is about like so this the show takes place in a world where there's anthropomorphic animals walking around and talking and everything and it's just normal um and Bojack Horseman is basically a horse man. He has the head of a horse and the body of a man for the most part. Like he has fingers. Yeah, he does. Um, and like there's a but. <laughs> yeah, he what? does. Yeah. Oh, so I you see, like it. one episode when it was in Sundance. I, um, me and my uh, my roommate Kate, she loves the show. So I, because mm-hmm. I've seen like everyone talks about it, but I never watched it. So we watched one episode, and the episode we watched was one where he's putting on like a show for his class. You know, the acting class. And it's the thing with his mm-hmm. half sister because the, she's his half sister, right? Because it, like his dad had an affair. Yeah, that's his right? half sister. So like, they're trying. He's trying to mend fences with her. She's being kind of resistant, and then she's like, "Okay, like, dude, you gotta give me space." So I kind of like how they dealt with that. So like, mm-hmm. I, I do intend to watch it because I, like, the animation is kind of trippy for me because the like, you know the whole half half animal things like how you have the society where yeah. people are half animals and like there's regular people, regular looking people, quote mm-hmm. quote, quote unquote. So. So, like that's interesting I, I do intend to watch it but again I'm a binge watcher so like that's probably one of those shows I'll wait yeah. when I have like a long weekend or whatever to like just binge watch like the seasons and the episodes yeah it's <laughs> a very bingeable show I think 
you know what? Now I know how I can phrase this. Like, and it does a good job with this because, like, think of how Bill Cosby, mm-hmm. like, everybody loved him as America's dad and everything. And then when all this stuff came out, like, with the women and the sexual assault and the drugging, it's like you have those people who are just like, he would never do that. And then, like, they're just, like, so quick to defend everything he did, like, everything. Mm. They're so quick to just like, no, he should be free and this and that. But then it's like you're so blinded by your love for this celebrity that you're ignoring the bad, terrible, problematic stuff that they've done. And that's not fair. But like that's kind of like the whole point of the show is that they're kind of forcing like, oh, yeah, because celebrities, they're but treated differently. Like, and I that's kind of like for the- Bull Jack, like his he's not as bad as what? Bill Cosby did. I think his was um he 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 was uh, no. drinking right and he he went. Well, he there's other you go go watch more of it. He's not in the same realm as Bill Cosby. I will give him yeah. that at least. But there are things where like Bojack has problematic tendencies and um and it, it's not just him. It's other characters too. But I think that's the example because Bojack was on a very famous television show in the eighties or nineties, and then like fast forward he was like super popular still is super popular everyone's like oh i loved your show and that's like a huge thing that he's recognized for and he's celebrated for but then he on the others and people think i'm like oh yeah you were just like the super awesome like tv dad and then it's like fast forward he's a very mean drunk Mm. or he has hurt people in different ways and he's a bit damaged on the inside but it's like this whole this goes back to like the whole these celebrities are human too and they mess up and they make mistakes and they do bad things but then it's like keeping them on a pedestal it's like it's a whole thing of like being held accountable and then trying to change and do better and wanting to be better um and dealing with like trauma like family trauma. Like I'm just, I, I don't, we don't have time to unpack it all, but I think what would be fun is if you go watch mm-hmm. more of it and then we can talk about it a little bit more. Cause I really like my, one of my favorite characters for sure is princess Carolyn. Yeah. She is the pink I, I laughed when I heard her <laughs> name. I'm like, her name is what? <laughs> she's yeah, the agent, I right? I, she's she's, she's the agent, right? She's yeah. the agent. She's the agent, and how she just be spitballing things super fast. And but again, like I just really like appreciate how this show handles things like mental health and um, depression specifically, like high functioning depression. Because like I think Princess Carolyn has like a, a, is like a perfect example of like high functioning depression. Mm. Um, and then there's other stuff where it's just like. Um, what is it called? Imposter syndrome. Uh, then, uh, oh, it just it goes it goes in pretty deep, and I think it's a really good way for people to kind of like recognize, like, oh, uh, like maybe you might see something that, like, I don't know, maybe it'll get through to people differently because they see it in a cartoon. But I think it was really good for that. Mm. Um, but yeah, sorry, it's a lot to unpack, but I I, I really enjoyed it. So. I think I would want I want to go back and probably rewatch it from the beginning again. Mm. Yeah, I, will, I do intend to watch it one of these. I do intend to watch it. Yeah. So that'll be fun for us to discuss later, though, to see like what your thoughts are on it. Um, are um, next up, let's just dive right on into the movie mm-hmm. corner. 
for the rest of the show and you can take it from here. Right. Um, okay, so for me, the films that I... So as as we mentioned, I went to Sundance and I saw quite a bit of, um, of films. I'm stumbling all over my words. I saw a good number of films there. Um, but I'm going to only talk about my top mm-hmm. three. I'm not going to go too, too in-depth in them because I don't want to spoil anything too major about them. And, you know, for t- sake of time as well. But the, my three top films while I was mm-hmm. at Sundance, and still my favorite films, are Nine Days by S. and Oda, um, The 40-year-old version by Rada Blank, and Minari by Lee... Um, Oh my gosh, by Lee Isaac Chung. So I'm gonna, I'll start by 90s. So this film blew me away. This is one of the most unique films I've ever seen with regards to storytelling, um, how the actors are, how the characters are written, and production. And so this film is a very personal film by writer director S. and Oda. He he wrote it um, about how he coped with the loss of his uncle and it's a dedication to his uncle. And it's about depression, it's about learning to forgive yourself it's about second chances learning mm. to embrace every moment like the way like this film is so beautiful so um the premise is kind of hard to explain but the way how it's broken on is it's a reclusive man played by Winston Duke whose name is Will it conducts a series of interviews with human souls for a chance to be born so how it works is he Will was once alive and so he no longer is but his job is for newly formed souls they come to him and they have nine days to experience life vicariously through others which I that's literally just occurred to me as I'm saying it. But yeah, that's what they do. They're like experiencing life by cursing through others through this. The, he has this bank of televisions and each one is like life. You're seeing life through someone else's eyes. And so these souls, they have nine days to look at these um, these lives. And he they have they have to do. He said so one of some of the tests that he gives them is to name the best moment that you would like to live for yourself. Um, if you if you were to do it and it's so beautiful and it's like it's just like you you can't ex you can't live so even though you're experiencing life vicariously through them but you you have to experience life on your for yourself and even the bad things that happen matter and even they they might break you and even then they might they might hurt and all that kind of stuff it's about learning to embrace life because what it really is what doesn't kill you doesn't make you stronger and 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 it's done in it's not in a condescending way it's not in a patronizing way it's just in this way that makes you just think about life differently and this is one of the films i think that did that did make me look at life differently and one of the other films would have been um coming home again by wayne wang last year and also the farewell by lulu wang and this film nine days is one of those films i think for me i I call it a very profound film and it's beautiful and so again it stars Winston Duke Zazie Beats Benedict Wong and Bill Skarsgård um you got me at Winston girl. Duke so like he's amazing <laughs> and like he is I've so amazing it. there's this monologue that he gives at the end of the film that is just beautiful I'm not it's a poem I'm not it, they mentioned at the Q&A afterwards what the Poem was, but I couldn't hear properly from where I was sitting. But this film is beautiful. I love the production style. It's minimalist, but yet still very in your face. And there's this, like, I can't explain it. You just have to see it's one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen. I cried, like, tears were rolling down my face. I had makeup tracks in my face. And I just love it. Like, 
I, I got to briefly meet mm. Essen Oda and I had to thank him because I'm like I, I said I thank you for this beautiful film and I got to ask him one question but I love it it's my favorite film from mm-hmm. Sundance and it, he won Ooh. the Waldo Salt Screenwriting Award for US Dramatic Film and well deserved because the script is beautiful and the way he breaks down discussing emotions and the way how they discuss how humans mm-hmm. interact with each other and how we and how we perceive different situations like one person may think a situation is awful but the other person may say this is like and it's not that they're minimalizing what happens it's just that they're being able to look at it from a different perspective uh, how, and like how we view life and mm-hmm. a big part of it is depression and and it's about guilt and mm. you don't realize what it is and it's not in your face it's just very subtly translated through the script and through um, especially Winston Duke's acting and I am so happy for mm-hmm. Zazie Beats. Like this is a great this her her character Emma is such a great character and I love her in this character and I want more for her. I want more roles like this for her. And Benedict Wong, it was mm-hmm. great to see him. Like everyone knows him from um, the Avengers films. He plays Wong, um, which is Doctor he plays oh, Doctor yeah. Strange's right hand man and his his character Q. Mm-hmm. I love his character Q. He's very supportive and he's like one of those he's like he's like he's like Will's support system and he's so honest and he's brutally honest but he's also supporting and loving when he needs to be and it's great to see men have these kind of relationships mm-hmm. on screen um, especially for a character mm-hmm. like Winston Duke because Winston Duke is a massive man like I saw him in person I'm like this man is pictures that do not convey how tall this man and how big he actually is it's crazy he's ain't it tall he's big mm-hmm. and but it's great to see to, it is crazy. yeah but it's great to see this this tall strong black man be vulnerable on screen and be allowed to be um yeah to, to be broken because there's moments where you see me you, you can tell he's broken but he and uh, you and it's great to see a, a, a black male especially a big black man be allowed to be be like this on screen so i love that and i love what edson order did mm-hmm. and he's amazing i can't wait to see what else he does and so my other my second favorite film is called the farty version by rada blank so she there she directed she mm-hmm. wrote directed and stars in the film so she says she plays herself and so oh, the synopsis wow. is, is the Fardio version is a New York comedy about a Don on her luck play right who thinks the only way she can salvage her voice as an artist is to become a rapper at 40 years old and so this is another film mm. about transformation and it's about you meeting life where you're at and looking at finding different paths and Rana Blank is hilarious like I love her and the first thing that comes to my mind when I watched it when I was watching this film is this film is for black women it's for black people too but black women specifically and like any like no matter where in the world you are you can watch this and you'll be like I know this woman I recognize this woman whether it be yourself your mother your sister your aunt your cousin a woman you know on Twitter like you'll be like this film is for black women and there's so much I really especially old like women like in their 30s going into their 40s and transitioning and finding new career paths and like finally after all these years deciding to do what you want to do like I related a lot to it because like me mm-hmm. I started out wanting to be a paralegal I got my paralegal diploma and everything and then like I got sick and I was like you know I can't do this so I let me use this as an opportunity to do what I really want to do which is talk about film and write about film and and for Rada like her is the same and even for Rada herself like you you you're like you meet this you come to this point and you're like you're like what am I gonna do 
And she's like, I'm going to be a rapper. And, like, people say that you can't be a rapper. You're 40, you're old, whatever. She's like, screw you. I'm going to go do it anyway. Like, she has doubts. And, and she has she second guesses and third guesses and fourth guesses herself. And people tell her no. And she's like, and, and but then she realizes it's okay to be told no. And it's okay to doubt yourself. But as long as you, you, you find out this is what you want to do, you keep pushing through even through the doubt. And that's something that, I again, I relate to in any black woman would relate to because there's also the whole being a woman the, the, and how black women are perceived and how the world sees us and how we see ourselves because of how the world sees us there's a lot of that and then there's a lot about friendship like her best friend Archie played by Peter White Kim like there's this whole there's this whole thing where he's her agent and he's like I want he wants her to be a playwright he wants her to succeed as a playwright and he doesn't fully understand what is the big deal for her to be a rapper and then he does see and it's like great to see that support and he's like I'm, I'm better off as your friend as an agent and it's great to see that and then like she has this romance with this younger guy again um older woman the younger guy Austin Benjamin who plays D and like their their relationship is beautiful and sweet and another thing is filmed in black and white so that's another thing to see black mm. people being portrayed on screen in black and white and people of color because she is in New York. This is the Bronx, the way it's meant to be seen on screen. And like there's people there's people of color around there. There's Asian people, there's La- um, Latinx people, Afro-Latinos. And, you know, like, because she works at a school where she t- teaches a drama class uh, and a playwright class. And like, it's filled mm-hmm. with, like children of color like black and afro-latino and latino kids so it's like great to see that on screen and great to see black and white and i just love it and i love her her story and there's it's also about grief about the loss of her mother how she's coping with loss and everything and again so this was my second favorite film as she and rather won the directing award for best u.s dramatic feature so and that's great for her first for like it's her first feature film as well and interesting enough her and um, both rada and edson they they're friends and they met through the writer's lab the sentence writer's lab so it's great to see them come and have two amazing films and they both won awards in the say at the same time so that's also great and my third film is Minari by Lee Isaac Chung. Stars Stephen Amyun um, as Jacob, uh, Yuri Han as Monica, Yoon Jung as Sunja, um, Alan S. Kim as David, and Noel Cho An. So this film is about a Korean family in 1980s America who moves to Arkansas to start to a farm. So this one is different because normally when we think of, especially when you see how portrayed on film, immigrants, you think of older people. Like for when you have stories of immigrants, you always see um, older the older generation, right? And but this is showing you a couple mm-hmm. and their two children, which is um, David and Anne, who are in 1980s America who moved from South Korea to America, and they've lived, I think they lived in. Um, LA and San Francisco and then they decided to, and then Jacob who's Stephen Yuan decides he wants to start a farm because they want a better life for the kids but he also wants something different he wants them to get a connection with the land because in South Korea like mm-hmm. like because South Korea is a rel- is like a relatively small country in size compared to other countries even though it has a population of like 50 something plus million but a lot of South Korea is farm and mountain land so he wanted his kids to have like a similar experience so he decided he wanted to grow go to build develop a farm in Arkansas growing Korean vegetables so like uh, and and also because like there is a 
so this would have been a time where um, you would have had more immigrants, South Korean immigrants moving to the U.S. and a lot of them moving to the middle, to the Midwest. So Arkansas is the Midwest. Is it? Is it Midwest? I think so. It's not. Nope. I think. Uh, sorry. Cut that. You cut out a little no, bit. No, I'm going to Arkansas is the Midwest. I'm Arkansas is the Midwest. Oh, it's Arkansas in the Midwest? Yeah, you should know. <laughs> Wait, did you say it's Arkansas in the Midwest? Yeah, is that considered part of the Midwest? Uh, you know, let's Google because I'm old <laughs> and haven't been in geography. <laughs> if, you po- if I had a map in front of me, I feel like I could actually point to Arkansas without it being labeled. Or, but like, Arkansas I need to see it. Yes, Arkansas is in the right. Midwest. Okay, so, I don't know, look at me knowing more about American geography yeah. than you. For shame. Um, <laughs> so he moves. It's like one of those things. I just need a map in front of me. I can't like visually like I could be like California, Louisiana, Florida, Illinois, but ooh, those random states in between. Uh, so so like he moved his family there, and it's and it's hard at first because like the land isn't what it what he wanted it to be. It's like not as plentiful and whatever. So he has all these struggles, and then it's it's all about how it can affect a marriage and a family, and then like her her mother. Um, his wife Monica's mother moved to move to be with them to look after the kids um, and it mm-hmm. shows like this interesting dynamic between younger immigrants like they're young and so like they're in their late mid to late 20s and so they're young immigrants and she's a new immigrant and so it's all about how these two mm-hmm. generate these three generations in one place are adapting to life as Americans because like for the son and all of it's focused around the son mm. David and his relationship with um, his grandmother Suncha and how he thinks he doesn't think she's a real gram- grandma because she doesn't bake cookies and she doesn't like talk to him lovingly or whatever but yeah, so he said, you're not a real grandma because he has this idea of what American grandmas are. But the funny thing is, his idea of American grandmas are is what he sees on TV, right? So, like, he sees, like, you know, like, the mm-hmm. Susie Homemaker grandma kind of stuff on TV, and that's what he thinks her grandma is. And she, here she comes, and she's anything but. She's brash, she's loud, she curses, she, like, plays cards, like, and I, she's freaking hilarious, and I love her. And it's so interesting to see this dynamic, because also, again, it is, uh, especially because this is, they all speak in Korean, and I love that they speak in Korean. Um, because, like, there's this whole idea for, with immigrants where like because like for when I do my review I'm gonna say it's about assimilation versus um versus integration. So like when you move to North America people mm-hmm. want you to assimilate. So assimilate is mean you have to take on the country, you have to change your identity and adopt North American identity right. and North American culture. And then there's integration, which is you integrate into the society, but you can still maintain your identity from wherever you came from. And it's great to see this in this in the film because at home they speak in Korean. And there might be a few English words thrown in, but I love seeing that because like for me, I'm a immigrant. And at home, I speak in my Beijing dialect. My sister and I, we speak in our dialect and our accents. When we go out, we, we, drop, we drop our dialect a little. Even like speaking here on the podcast, I, I drop my dialect because that you if I was to speak in my full dialect you ain't gonna understand a word that coming out of my mouth right and is so it's like interesting to see that on screen especially for an American film and like the other film that reminded me of was Coming Home Again by Wayne Wong where um um Changri and his mom they spoke a mix of Korean and 
English, but this one is spoke strictly Korean. And and then there's also the dynamic of the the wife, Monica and Jacob's relationship and how their marriage is changing and like you know, so it's, a, it's about growth, it's about change, it's about immigration. I, I'm like, any person as an immigrant living in mm-hmm. America would watch this and relate to it. And that's the thing. This is one of those films that is a universal story. Could I hope we talk about Parasite, but it's a universal story because no matter if you're an immigrant, no matter where you are, you understand where the, the struggle for identity, no matter how long you've been living in a place, you still have, you're still trying to find yourself. I've been living in Canada 10 years. November was 10 years. And I still struggle with certain things living in Canada and like my, with my culture and like my identity as a black woman and as a career and a woman of, and a, a woman of Caribbean descent and, and West and under that. So it's like really interesting to see that on screen. And again, Steven Yuan is he's has he's such a great actor. Like this man deserves where he is so good at picking roles and his projects. Mm-hmm. And um the little boy, um Alan S. Kim, he's a great actor. I can't wait to see what his what his career becomes um, becomes because he's so engaging and he's so natural that's the thing with these kids they're young but they're so natural on screen i'm not sure if this is his first role um but mm-hmm. they're so natural on screen and they do feel like, like a family and everything and i do have to point out like the the mom um yelly han and the grandma uh, Yoon Yeo Jung I, I love I recognize them from K-dramas so again it's a great to see this crossover between um, Korean actors um, acting in, in it's produced in America but like there's there's still technically in a Korean Korean film right and so that's an interesting thing dynamic to see and so so this so Minari won the audience award for best US dramatic feature and it also won the US grand jury odd prize so that's two awards for that like, I loved all three of these films there were some other films that I really loved I liked uh, Miss Juneteenth um, that would be starring Nicole Bahari that was really good I liked Be Water that is a documentary about Bruce Lee that's a really good documentary too um, what else Ooh, I saw so many films <laughs> um, Zola was hilarious like you know Zola that's the one that's adapted on the first film yes. based on tweets so this might be a new thing. We'll see what happens. Yes. But it was freaking hilarious. There are kind of scenes. There were some scenes that I thought was completely unnecessary. But if you've read the if you've read the thread, and watched the film, and watched how the director took the scenes and made them into film, like she did a fantastic job with that. And it also proves that the writer Zola herself, she's a fantastic writer. Like she, like I remember reading the the tweets on the bus and dying because she tells stories so well. Yes. And then to see in screen, like I, she, I personally believe she, she would be a great writer for film and TV. I don't know if that's what she's doing now or if that's what something she would do, but if she ever does something, I would watch it because the way she tells the story and then to see it play out on screen and it makes sense and it works, it's like brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, those, so those are my top films from from Sundance awesome well I look forward to checking those out when they premiere here or whenever they eventually make it to the US you know what I mean like Netflix or movie um, I can tell you for sure for the version is going to be on Netflix and speaking and this okay. speaking of Netflix also there's another film that a horror film scared the crap out of me like this one is about immigration too it's called His House that one is a really good film mm. um, like it, again it's another film about immigration but it's about grief and loss and guilt it's like 
I've been watching a lot of these films that unintentionally they have to do with a lot of stuff that I've been going through personally. So I really, like, I, I had no idea this is what the films were about, what it was going to. I'm like, look at my life being reflected on screen. Um, but it was great. This film, <laughs> I it takes a lot to scare me. I'm like, what? So two films that sound that scared me. Um, and, it, like, not scared, like, Ugh, but, like, emotionally they're like what the hell is going right. on and it's like his house and then the night mm-hmm. house with Rebecca Hall and since Hereditary these two films are the two films that really got into my psyche and they really like messed me up like what played with me and I saw Midsommar like nah these two films to me are better than Midsommar um the way how the story is told and the way how they play on your senses and your emotions and stuff. So, like, Hereditary, His House, The Night House, three best horrors I've seen in the last few years. Minus Train to Busan, of course. But, um, yeah, mm. so that's it. Nice. Well, on that note, we have reached the end of our show. The only thing I have to do say about movies this week, and I'm just saying this to keep things brief, but this does not mm. belittle the movie. Go watch Birds of Prey. It's great. I liked it a lot. I think it is really a really, really good female-led comic book movie. But even on its not even having to say that, it's just a really good mm-hmm. comic book movie. But I love but it being female-led makes it yes. even better. And it is just, like, so good. Everyone's funny. I like all the characters. Everyone gets a little bit of time to shine. Um, just just go watch it. Go watch it because I'm tired of people. And this, again, a, a rant for another day. If a movie makes its budget back mm-hmm. in one weekend when it opens domestically, does that does not mean the movie has flopped. Yes. I just... I want everyone to understand that, how money mm-hmm. works. A movie has not flopped because it made its its all of its budget that's back. That's a success because that means they, that, opening that's weekend. a success because that means they broke even and they didn't lose money. Yes. It's a flop if it doesn't make back its right. money, if it makes back its money. And that, in the first weekend, it's a success because anything going forward is a, is a, um, is a profit. A profit. Yes, it's a profit. So any like it literally opened last week and everyone was talking about like, oh, it flopped. It only made this much money. Like it cost that much money to make exactly. it and it made it back on one and weekend. It, it still has to open mm-hmm. in other theaters across exactly. the world. And it's really good. I might just go see it again one morning when I ain't got nothing to yeah, do. I'm gonna s- just because I it's fun. Yeah, I'm gonna see it Monday because Monday here is gonna be a bad holiday. It's called, it's called Family Day. Mrs. Sir we're gonna go make it a double feature. We're gonna watch Birds of Prey and we're gonna watch Bad Boys 2. Wait, no, this is Bad Boys what, 3? There it's you Bad go. Bad Boys 3, right? We're gonna watch them. So we're gonna make it a double feature. <laughs> yep, Bad, Bo- Bad Boys 3. Nah, Bad Boys yep. for life. So Bad Boys for life. It is, it is worth it. Oh, there goes my neighbor's dog. <laughs> Anyways. Um. Uh, yeah, that's all I had to say about movies. I mean, I. Yeah, I can't endorse it enough. I really enjoyed it. The soundtrack mm-hmm. is bomb. Y'all just go watch it. So, and with that, Carolyn, let's tell the people where they can find us. Um, if you can tell them where you can find you, you can first. Find me on Twitter and Instagram at Carrie C N H one two. So that's C A R R I E C N H one two. And you can find me again with Nisha tweeting about films, K dramas, thirsting, politics occasionally, 
make cracking jokes, being snarky. I also, apart from the podcast, I'm also a freelance writer. You can find my work on Adam Tickets, Comics Beat, um, Wear Your Voice Mag. I have a new article on Wear Your Voice Mag. And here on So Here's What Happened podcast, you can find our writing on butwhythepodcast.com. You can find my reviews and interviews from Sundance and, and other film festivals. And on Saturday nights at 10 p.m. Eastern, you can find me co-hosting a Saturday night sci-fi live tweet. And this Saturday night, which would be... If this comes up before then, we're doing Starship Troopers. <laughs> we're live tweeting Starship Troopers. So that's hashtag Saturday Night Sci-Fi, um, 10 p.m. Eastern, every Saturday night. And um, I think that's it. Cool. Yeah, basically, y'all can find Carolyn mm. everywhere, which is a good thing. Um, as for me, you can always find me on Twitter also at LA underscore NEY underscore SHA. And more importantly, you can also find our show there, and that is at SHWH underscore pod. We swear we are doing better at putting content on there. But we also really enjoy using it for engaging with people. So keep an eye out for questions about maybe y'all telling us what y'all have been watching, what y'all been reading, what do y'all want to watch or read. Um, But yeah, with that, we will talk to y'all next time. Bye. Bye.